It, they did it in 97. They'll do it again. This is the year. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have. So uh, for everybody here in the studio, I am Tony Bolton saying good night, go blue, and beat state. You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Okay, we got you, kid. Ready? Hi, I'm Abby Hoffman. On the run, just listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, yeah, real quickly, it's nice that the Detroit Tigers made the playoffs, but boy, when a team, uh, gee, I think I looked it up, they were 10 games in front of Minnesota back on July 18th, and for them to end up as the wild card. It's very disappointing indeed, but let's root for them against the Yankees. I don't think they have much of a chance given the way they played this year, but it's good to see that the Detroit Tigers at least made the playoffs for the first time in 19 years. Well, indeed. Let's uh, spend his money well, and uh, they're starting to produce some young talent, uh, pitching talent that ought to keep the Tigers at least somewhat competitive over the years, but the Yankees just have an all-star lineup and a $200 million payroll. As per usual, right. So, so better to limp into the playoffs than not get there at all. But Really disappointing. I don't know how you can get swept at home by the second-worst team in baseball. But we won't get into that. Uh, it looks like the Republican Party might not even be able to limp into home. Uh, they seem to be <laughs> mortally wounded. Well, that could be a relief for many, although never underestimate the uh, potential for there to be some sort of electronic uh, skullduggery. Yes, yes. that cannot be ruled out, nor can a uh, military strike of some sort to bolster the president in the last couple of weeks. But I don't even think that'll save him at this point, because I think uh, many Americans would view that as a cynical, deliberate October surprise. And this latest... uh, Scandal involving this character in the House is just a political tsunami of unmeasurable proportions. Um, it, it, to me, it, it, it's really about the leadership. It, you know, the crime itself is obviously, you know, twisted, troubling, disgusting, whatever you want to call it. Um, we don't need to get into the details because uh, they'll come out. The media loves this kind of crap. And uh, if they're going to spend weeks on end investigating Scott Peterson and Michael Jackson's uh, uh, habits, sleepovers, <laughs> his sleepovers at the zoo, 
Uh, we don't really need to worry that much. But when you start hearing the, the, the leadership of the Republican Party being implicated pretty much in a cover-up of sorts, that is very troubling. And uh, Denny Hastert, he's probably in trouble, too. I mean, I've been around this sort of uh, Washington political salacious scandal scandals for years, and this just strikes me as something that isn't going to go away. Uh, anytime soon. Um, Foley himself has obviously sort of jumped in the moat. He's uh, checked into a uh, rehab clinic and uh, now declares that he's an alcoholic. But the behavior uh, that was covered up here is just absolutely startling. And to get a sense of of where this is going, if you just watch the, the media coverage today, some of the female conservative women pundits that are on the tube are aghast. That's the only word you can use to describe it. And the Democrats don't even have to say much other than... And they probably shouldn't. Throw out Nancy uh, Nancy Pelosi. She's a mother and a grandmother, leader of the House. She can make her little uh, church lady uh, claims that uh, we need to get to the bottom of the political leadership here, the culture of corruption, etc., but this comes on a day, by the way, in which the McClatchy newspapers, uh, who, by the way, were in the news big time several months ago because of the uh, major sellout that was occurring with that newspaper chain, they did polls in 10 toss-up states, and the Democrats are either ahead or tied in every single toss-up state. These were polls that were taken between the 23rd and 29th, some of them varied, of September, which was a couple of weeks after George Bush exploited the 9-11 commemoration uh, for god-awful political purposes. And to me, it just this is just going to get worse for the GOP. Um, I think that they are in big trouble. And some of the statements even out of the White House just yesterday are remarkable uh, if the media wants to go back and examine them. Uh, they were pretty much saying that the Republican leadership has taken care of this scandal and no further investigation was needed. Uh, this has obviously gone on to the FBI, and uh, uh, it, to me it just strikes me as one of these classic, um, the cover-up will, will end up probably being worse than the crime itself uh, for the you know the political ramifications. Um, I just think at this point it's very obvious that George Bush... Uh, Donald Rumsfeld, Condi Rice, Carl Rove, uh, they, they remind me of that Little Rascals uh, episode where they're trying to make pancakes in the kitchen. <laughs> and there's just too many uh, hot pots going on the stove and the, the, the dough is boiling over. <laughs> Not even the uh, sudden and almost seemingly bizarre decline in gas prices, I think, is going to uh, yeah. have a, a lingering psychological effect. Because, of course, the price of uh, oil per barrel has stayed pretty high. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks away, what is it, five weeks away? Yeah, it's come down a little bit uh, in the past. It's gone up again a little, too. Yeah, it's sort of fluctuating in this uh, sort of 60 to $63 range. Um, the sort of standard media explanation for this, by the way, is that this was sort of the dog that didn't bark. This was a run-up in prices that was sort of predicated on hurricane season. Hmm. And that didn't materialize, I, as well as they say, the end of driving season. 
uh, to the extent that there is such an end of driving season. In America. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's been a marginal decline in the prices, um, but I don't think uh, that's going to save uh, the Bush administration. It is important to remember, by the way, that oil prices were $27 a barrel before the Iraq invasion. So Bush can't plausibly argue that uh, American consumers are going to see some sort of benefit uh, now that they're at 61 or 63 or whatever. It's They're still high. And um, I just found the, today's news just so bizarre. I mean, the Foley thing, and then you have this absolutely horrendous shooting uh, in Amish country that actually sounded like an Al-Qaeda operation. I mean, the guy tied these girls up and shot them in the head. This is... Well, this is similar to the Colorado shooting recently where girls were singled out and abused and one murdered. This is the third fatal shooting in, in, in schools in the last week. Right, another one in Wisconsin. And if Americans aren't troubled by this, and if they don't understand that the uh, hoopla about terrorism is all rubbish, and that what Americans need to be concerned about are so-called law-abiding citizens that are allowed access to guns. Um, and the fact that schools are so easy to... Yeah. Uh, Intrude upon in this violent manner. It's a, a state of denial, indeed. Uh, the title of Bob Woodward's Bob Woodward's book: America is in a state of denial about what's going on in the world, uh, what the consequences of their policies abroad, and uh, well, and according to the Woodward book, the, our big articles today are saying that yet another warning from intelligence forces in July of 2001 which Condi Rice neglected to uh, deem appropriate uh, to pass on. Yeah, and let's give her a brain damage award for uh, selectively using the amnesia defense. Uh, this seems to work. Pastard has used it recently. Uh, it worked for Ronald Reagan to some extent during the Iran-Contra affair. Uh, it is not a credible defense, um, assuming that she has a Ph.D. I, I, You know, the bottom line with her is she has been, you know, her whole history during the first... Uh, years of the Bush administration were that she was basically a staffer for George Bush. Mm -hmm. She was an organizer of thematic foreign policy concerns. She was in no way, shape, or form a national security advisor uh, in the traditional sense. Almost a handler, really. Yeah. Her understanding was Soviet relations. That's what she got her Ph.D. in. Uh, This is a blatant example of yet another Bush crony uh, being appointed to a high position with no real experience for the job. Now, Donald Rumsfeld had plenty of experience, but what good did it do him? He's uh, still in deep doo-doo, and, you know, these sort of intramural squabbles between these various officials, I think, is fairly minor uh, in the big scheme of things. This is just one more example, uh, because this is going to come down to this uh, infamous July 10th meeting of 2001, in which uh, Woodward claims that Kofor Black and uh, Tenet... um, met with Rice, warning, you know, their, quote, hair was on fire. Uh, this phrase uh, has been thrown back into the uh, lexicon of political discourse. Um, but what the Bush administration was doing about the so-called uh, al-Qaeda threat um, during the first seven months remains a legitimate question, and I don't think uh, they've satisfactorily answered any of them. And another horrible week. I mean, you know, you've got this 
report uh, from the, uh, let's see, the House Government Reform Committee that notes that uh, Jack Abramoff met 485 times uh, with the White House, 82 with Karl Rove. 82 Uh, of those 485? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the details of tickets being uh, distributed around to Karl Rove and his family uh, is classic um, corruption, conflict of interest, you name it. Jack Abramoff, just for the record, uh, it turns out, I saw one of the full disclosure movies last night, owned a luxury cruiser line uh, down in Tampa, Florida, that amazingly enough, Mohammed Atta was on these cruises shortly before 9-11, living it up, uh, apparently uh, drinking heavily at the bar, uh, throwing money around with strippers. Uh, it's very sordid stuff, and it's part of this unanswered questions uh, about some of the strange aspects of these hijackers. We have this video that's now surfaced mm-hmm. showing Atta and the other German, uh, the Hamburg cell, um, predicting their death back in January of, of uh, 2000. Or maybe it was 2001. I'll have to check that out again. But that's a very interesting uh, nugget that's been thrown out into the media again. But uh, it hasn't gotten much play. There's just too many books out there. (laughs) Musharraf. Indeed, Musharraf uh, made an interesting appearance on The Daily Show of all places. And, you know, this guy is, strictly speaking, he's a military dictator. I mean, it's uh, a... military government uh, in Pakistan, and uh, the fact that this guy comes on uh, and uh, is able to sit down comfortably with Jon Stewart, uh, I think is an embarrassment that our own president is not capable of uh, handling himself in an off-the-cuff interview. I mean, I didn't see the Musharraf thing on uh, The Daily Show. It sounds very funny, though, some of the banter. Um <laughs> If I'll just read a quote here, uh, Stewart asked Musharraf uh, why he hadn't made much reference in his book to America's war in Iraq. And the question is, is that because you felt like it was such a smart move, the war, and has gone so well that to mention it would be gloating? Stewart asked, and Musharraf laughed and said of the war, it has led certainly to more extremism and terrorism around the world. Stewart's follow-up question is, so we're safer. And Musharraf laughs again, no, we're not. Um, Those are honest answers to uh, some, you know, sarcastic and ironic questions. Um, Certainly, we would never see anyone in the humorless, uh, truthless Bush administration uh, be able to, uh, you know, comport themselves so comfortably Mm -hmm. as the head of the Pakistani military government has. It's rather embarrassing. Yeah, and of course, it seems rather embarrassing that Bush tried to referee some sort of, you know, state dinner with Musharraf and Karzai in attendance, uh, when it's, you know, now emerging that the ex-chairman of the uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, Ken and Kenneth Tomlinson, seems to have had a a horse uh, fixation uh, similar to uh, Brownie, and that one of his horses is named Karzai. Oh They're uh, named after Afghan uh, warlords and leaders, apparently, uh, in another... I mean, these people are living in a sort of fantasy world. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. I wouldn't make this stuff up if it weren't true. 
uh, then you have this poll uh, out of uh, Iraq showing that 60% of Iraqis support uh, attacks on the American uh, military there, and that 71% said American soldiers should be withdrawn within a year, but only 37% favored an American withdrawal in the next six months. George Bush, I'm sure, will ignore these these polls uh, and continue to spout the fiction that uh, we can make Iraq uh, yet, yet safe for democracy and that they can be a regional example in which to propel the Middle East into an era of peace and democracy. And the Easter Bunny will have candy for all. Um yeah, that is a fantasy scenario. It's Iraq certainly is an example uh, for the region, but not a positive one. Um, there was a uh, unprecedented curfew in Baghdad over the weekend that, uh, according to Patrick Quinn's article for the AP, uh, left millions stranded at home without any supplies. This is Ramadan, month of fasting for Muslims, and since they were already unable to get out and do shopping, because of a curfew on Friday, uh, this is basically a weekend without food for millions of people. Um, why the curfew? Well, uh, the U.S. military said a captured al-Qaeda suspect, that's singular, and members of his cell were, quote, in the final stages of planning an attack on the Green Zone, uh, also known in some circles as the Pork Zone, yeah, because of the about that last week. <laughs> number of uh, tasty pork-related snack products, which are available there to uh, U.S. Uh, service people and anyone else who has access to the green zone. So because of uh, one arrest and who, however many members of the cell there were in the final stages of planning an attack on Taco Bell, perhaps, millions of people go without food for a couple of days. Uh, it's no wonder that the numbers that you just read in that survey are what they are for people who would like to see this thing end. Yeah, and this was based on a survey of uh, 1,150 people um, at the University of Maryland's Program on International Policy Attitudes. Uh, speaking of international policy attitudes, let's give the uh, a brain damage award out to the American uh, Congress last week rushing through this uh, habeas corpus bill. Uh, this is an outrage, uh, classic example of electioneering mm. that uh, Karl Rove and other strategists in the GOP thought that would work out for their benefit. Uh, the and, and by the way, the Leahy Amendment that would have basically um, not allowed this to go through uh, was supported by all Democrats in the U.S. Senate except Ben Nelson, and it included three Republicans. Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Arlen Specter, a Republican from Pennsylvania, blatantly called the bill unconstitutional and said that it was pretty much a waste of time. Then, of course, the detainee bill in which McCain, Warner, and Graham that were being extolled as big heroes for standing up to the president one week mm -hmm. earlier yeah. caved in. And uh, the uh, Bush administration lobbied the bill, uh, lobbied for the bill. And needless to say, 12 Democrats uh, then voted for the final bill simply because it was going to pass anyway. And eight of these turned out to be up for re-election, including our own Debbie Stabenow, the church lady from Lansing. <laughs> um, and, of course, the most conspicuous person on the list 
of uh, people that voted with the Republicans is Joe Lieberman, running now as an independent Democrat or whatever he's calling himself. Uh, but this is very troubling. By the way, John Chafee of Rhode Island was the only Republican that voted against this mm-hmm. bill, uh, the final compromise. And it is yet another example of habeas corpus. The Bush administration has shredded the Ten Commandments in Iraq. Clearly. I mean, we're talking about 100,000 people dead. Uh, they want the Ten Commandments put in stone at state capitals in Alabama, for some reason. Uh, they've shredded the Ten Commandments. They've shredded the American Constitution. And now they've apparently decided we'll go after the Magna Carta as well. <laughs> Passed in 1215. Uh, this is an outrage, and yet another example of how uninformed the American people are to what's really going on in Washington, D.C., in which this bill pretty much gives the president the right to, as I understand it, declare people enemy combatants mm-hmm. and throw them in the uh, dungeon uh, in Guantanamo or Bagram Air Force Base or Abu Ghraib or, where, or what have you. Any place your head in a bag will take you. Uh, the only thing that I favor in regarding torture, by the way, is perhaps a, a, a torture session involving George Bush, Dick Cheney, Condoleezza Rice, and Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, maybe Tom Foley uh, can uh, preside over this. <laughs> uh, he might have a thing about whips and chains. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Don't want to know. Don't want to know, but... Uh, that might be an appropriate torture session that they could broadcast on television, and maybe the American people could finally get some answers about the war in Iraq, about what the Bush administration knew about 9-11, uh, what have you. I mean, they seem to think that torturing people in Cuba that they picked up on the battlefield five years ago is going to give them actionable intelligence. Right. On what? <laughs> on torture in Guantanamo Bay? What possibly... Could any of these people know? And it's it's actually been exposed that one of the uh, key um, bits of intelligence that was cherry-picked by Dick Cheney came from a torture session uh, in Egypt that the American government utilized, and I'll quote Al-Qaeda suspect. Uh, he was probably, no doubt, one of the number three men that was picked up for... We've picked up the number three man in Al-Qaeda about ten times. He was tortured in Egypt, uh, where he was rendered by the CIA, and of course, rendered pork. (laughs) It starts to all add up. It's soil and green. It's made out of people. Remember that (laughs) Bush's father, one of his favorite foods was pork rinds. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they serve those in the green zone. Oh, yeah, widely available. And, of course, President Bush I had a uh, suspected pork-related heart murmur incident right here in the fair city of Ann Arbor uh, some years ago when he spoke at commencement. Um, Well, it's all sorts of laws that are uh, coming into question, not just laws, but, as you point out, you know, conventional standards of normal, decent behavior. Um, There's uh, a call by Senator John Ensign, a Republican of Nevada, to press the Pentagon to use more tear gas Mm -hmm. as a way of subduing insurgents. Now, of course, the argument is always that, well, this is actually going to be good for civilians because it'll save civilian lives when you're attacking 
a combatant who has positioned itself amongst civilians. And, hey, you can, you know, these people will survive, and uh, you can question them later should they be captured. Well, of course, there are international standards and conventions and treaties to which the U.S. is a signatory banning the use of riot control weapons. Uh, it's interesting to point out that, yes, of course, police are permitted by law to use tear gas in crowd dispersal situations. But in a country such as our own, there are, you know, safeguards and oversight to some degree in most cases. But when you're talking open war, it's a kill or be killed situation. And let's face it, tear gas can be fatal. And depending on the uh, manner in which it's deployed, the uh, you know, if it's shot into a room or a building, uh, you know, people can be hit in the head with tear gas canisters. There's all sorts of ways in which tear gas can be fatal. But I like this quote from David Fidler, Feidler, a law professor at Indiana, Versa, Indiana University and a specialist on the laws of non-lethal weapons, cautioned against the increased use of tear gas by U.S. forces out of concern that it could open the door to the use of other chemicals. Quote, the whole effort of the treaty is to get toxic chemicals off the battlefield. Indeed, that makes sense. The you know, chemical warfare of World War One is a nightmare that everybody's learned about and acknowledged. And to see somebody actually advocating, well, tear gas is a friendly form. It's a benign form of chemical warfare. Uh, Feidler's absolutely right. This opens the door to up the ante one more time from the other side. And uh, no, let's leave chemical warfare off the board. Yeah, although it's something that... <laughs> No doubt the White House would come out with a statement and say, we haven't ruled out any weapons. Uh, and they've said that, by the way, yeah. about so-called tactical nuclear weapons. Right. Um, don't be surprised if those are used in Iran uh, within the next couple of weeks. That that's may the be veiled threat, yeah. That may be the October surprise that Bush may uh, have to resort to as the Tom Foley... <laughs> Um, Bob Woodward, uh, Musharraf, cascade of books and uh, emails and instant messages, um, cascades down upon Carl uh, Rove's patriotic parade. Uh, it's pretty rare that I read um, excerpts from a New York Times editorial, but I wanted to get back to this habeas corpus thing because I think that this is one of their best things that they've published all year regarding the <coughs> total abuse of, of power here. Um, they write, here's what happens when <clears throat> this irresponsible Congress railroads a profoundly important bill to serve the mindless politics of a midterm election. The Bush administration uses Republicans' fear of losing their majority to push through ghastly ideas about anti-terrorism that will make American troops less safe and do lasting damage to our 217-year-old nation of laws. Republicans say that Congress must act now to create procedures for charging and trying terrorists because the men accused of plotting 9-11 attacks are available for trial. That's pure propaganda. Those men could have been tried and convicted long ago, but George Bush cho chose not to. And this is a very important thing. Uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed has never been produced for any sort of trial. Uh, he might know too much about the actual facts about 9-11. Anyway, getting back to the bill, they, the New York Times writes, the bill's biggest flaws, enemy combatants, a dangerously broad definition of, quote, illegal enemy combatant in the bill, 
could subject legal residents of the United States as well as foreign citizens living in their own countries to summary arrest and indefinite detention with no hope of appeal. The president could give the power to apply this label to anyone he wanted. The Geneva Conventions. The bill would repudiate a half-century of international precedent by allowing Mr. Bush to decide on his own what abusive interrogation methods he considered permissible, and his decision could stay secret, and there's no requirement that it be published. Habeas corpus. Detainees in U.S. military prisons would lose the basic right to challenge their imprisonment. These cases do not clog the courts nor coddle terrorists. They simply... Uh, give wrongly imprisoned people a chance to prove their innocence. Judicial review. The courts would have no power to review any aspect of this new system except verdicts by military tribunals. The bill would limit appeals and bar legal actions based on the Geneva Conventions directly or indirectly. All Bush would have to do is lock anyone up forever is to declare him an illegal combatant and not have a trial. (laughs) Coerced evidence. Coerced evidence would be permissible if a judge considered it reliable. Um, Already a contradiction in terms and relevant. Coercion is defined in a way that exempts anything done before the passage of the 2000 Detainee Treatment Act and anything else Mr. Bush chooses. Secret evidence. American standards of justice prohibit evidence and testimony that is kept secret from the defendant, whether the accused uh, is a corporate executive or a mass murderer. But the bill, as redrafted by Mr. Cheney, seems to weaken protections against such evidence. This is absolutely staggering. Well, it's a, you couldn't ask for a more naked example of a power grab. Yeah. And why President Bush deserves more power is completely a mystery to me. This man cannot find Osama bin Laden. He does not know how to handle hurricane disasters. He's racked up $4 trillion of debt while creating a trillion dollars of economic growth, claiming that the economy is doing swimmingly. Uh, it, it's just one thing after another. This, this, this dude is incompetent. What he's good at is very good at sticking to his, his talking points about cut and run. Well, the only thing... Uh, that he has any experience on involving cut and run is his experience in the National Guard. He cut and run there. So he knows all about cutting and running. And, of course, uh, the running are the massive trillion-dollar deficits that have been racked up as Bush has given away tax cuts. And, of course, the cuts have occurred to all areas of American uh, fiscal policy, except the Pentagon and this vague war on terror that is turning into a war of error Looks like we're just about out of time this week on Gray Matters. I'd like to thank Yelchin for uh, engineering tonight. Uh, Check out the Bill Moyers documentary later in the week, by the way, on PBS regarding Jack Abramoff. Uh, That should be an interesting (laughs) experience. And finally, the full disclosure movie series winds up at the Blind Pig next week. There will be one more uh, lecture by Alex Jones down there at 9.30. Finally, by the way, tonight, Michigan's uh, gubernatorial debate is on at 8 o'clock, both on public radio and public television. Uh, check that out if you want to see, uh, you know, how Dick uh, DeVos and... Um, how DeVos can do without uh, a million-dollar spread on advertising. Yeah, and, and Jennifer Granholm having sort of an organized press conference, but there may be some moments.
We'll see. Thanks to Yalchin. Do stay tuned. Ayazu City Calling is coming up uh, next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Bing Crosby, wrap your troubles and dreams, take four. Castles may tumble, that's made after all. Life's really funny that way. Sang the wrong melody, we'll play it back. See what it sounds like, hey, hey. 